Heal Yourself with Sarah Dawkins, episode 46 with Roman Chapoval and Badana de Douche. Growing up, Roman saw his fair share of chronic illness and chronically ill relationships. Eventually, he was able to help most of his loved ones once he'd learned to ask the right questions and commit to his own values of health. Roman and Badana share a strong bond because they transcended struggles together. On their honeymoon, she emotionally collapsed and burnt out. Roman had just moved from the US to be with Badana in Canada, and his only support system was faith in his gifts and a vision of what was possible. Seeing the pandemic as a sign from the universe, Roman decided to launch Heart First into his coaching business and has made an impact on those around him by committing to his purpose in life to heal. Welcome Roman and Badana. Thank you. Thank you. So Roman, if we start with you and then I'll introduce Badana after, would you like to share with us what it was that you've healed and how you healed it? Yeah. So thank you, Sarah. Well, growing up as a child, just to not to give a huge life story, but um, I always seen the world a little differently. And I, I always had a feeling that I was on this planet for for a reason, and um, that an instinctive intuition I had. I remember since I was eight years old. But um, seeing the, what um, a lot of my family members went through, um, my mother who passed away from cancer, also my grandfather, grandmother uh, from cancer, I saw firsthand as a young teenager, even back then how the um, modern medical establishment treated people, what things were working, what things weren't. And I learned very early on to ask questions. Um, and <clears throat> so um, fast forward a little bit in my 20s, I kind of forgot about all that. I repressed all those emotions and um, you know, turned to drugs and alcohol as a way to numb all of those past hurts. And it wasn't until I was 30 that I really, um, things kind of caught up with me and I had that, um, kind of that midlife, um, early midlife in crisis, but I decided to deal with the crisis by, um, really, uh, examining my life. And it was thanks to, uh, a girlfriend that I was with at the time who she, um, was going through a depression. She had a major back surgery. And she actually supported me in going out to a healing center out in New Mexico. And um, I, you know, I saved up the money. I got a loan. I did what I needed to do, and I saw professional treatment. And I was there for about a month. And then after that, I I traveled for for another close to a month. And that really, um, even though that was about twelve years ago now, that really changed my life because I saw things from a different perspective from uh, fresh eyes and a fresh mind and heart, which was, I really needed. Um, so um, that was, like I said, uh, about 12, 12 years ago, uh, 2012, uh, 2011, sorry. <laughs> and um, since then, um, I was able to really heal because I learned that being a lot of the wounds, psychological wounds that I had as a child dealt with abandonment. And uh, I felt like I wasn't being supported. 
things like this. I had a, I didn't have a father, just had a, uh, a mom that, you know, she did the best she could. And um, so I learned that the way I dealt with that abandonment was by really committing to myself. So um, I used that as that psychological antidote, if you will, uh, in my journey, because I found that, well, everybody can has a decision to leave you. You know, you can't control that. But what you can control is that you can't leave yourself. You can if you want, but <laughs> but it's your choice. So um, yeah. So then fast forward a little bit more. Um, we we got married, and um, eventually. I saw some of the same patterns uh, emerge in my life and in relationships. And I learned that you can use relationships as a crutch or you can use them as a tool to see yourself as that image in the other person and to heal your, your, yourself by using the relationship as a, as a, like, as leverage kind of right as a tool. So um, I was able to, you know, I wanted to play the hero and save Bodana, but I knew that at first I had to be the hero for myself again, right? And I had to really get deep into my um, nutrition, change some things, right? Not not drink all the time, right? And not do those kinds of same things so I can be that example. So I started getting up early every morning, um, going to see the sunrise. I would just go by myself. Bodana was still in bed at that time. This is years ago. And I would have my own morning routine. I did it for a year, maybe, I forget now, maybe a couple of years, hoping she would join me, hoping she would join me. And then one morning she's like, okay, I'll come, right? <laughs> so, and, and then everything changed, right? Just because I was going every every morning, right? Just those little things, right? And it's that's what it, that's what it was really all about. And it still is about the, adding those little things. So hopefully that wasn't too vague of a description, but uh, um, I've healed myself and uh, by taking those little steps and it's self-care isn't it what you're talking about it's looking after yourself because that abandonment hole is huge and affects so many of us um, and it's a huge emotional hole as well that we need to heal and we can't heal that emotional hole with food although like yourself I, I too pushed mine down with drugs and drink um, because you, you don't want to feel it when you're younger. You're not ready to heal it. So it takes that acknowledgement and, and then that willingness to put yourself first and look after yourself um, and know that that's what you need to do as part of your own healing journey. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah it's a, and it's a, it's a lovely ride to take, too. It takes work, but it's also... You know, it's an adventure, right? So it's not always uh, going to be fun, but it's also looking back at it, it is. It's going to be an exciting thing to mm -hmm. to reflect on. So, mm -hmm. it's, uh, yeah, because because once you've healed that, you've healed it, and it, it doesn't color your life anymore. Because until we we have the courage to to look into that wound and heal it, it does reflect and color our lives, and we often just don't see that until we're willing to see that wound. And once we see it and start healing it, then it stops coloring our lives and we can live our lives as we want to, not how our subconscious mind is leading us to based on that abandonment wound from our childhood. 
hundred percent true. Yeah, it's very inspiring. Yeah, that you said it. Once you've healed it, you've healed it. So that's a good way of looking at it. it yeah, it it takes a lot of courage to want to open that can of worms. An awful lot of courage, and I think that's why a lot of us put it off because we don't know what we're going to find when we start digging in to start the healing. Oh yeah. But once it's healed, it's healed and it no longer affects our life because we've dealt with that part of that wound, that hurt from our childhood. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But it needs strength of character to want to do that. But like you say, it's a journey. And when you come out the other end, having having gone in to specifically heal that, that one thing that you know is there, that it might open the door to other things. But that one wound that you go in and heal is then healed. It no longer is a wound within you. It's all expressed. And the symptoms that you can have in your body as well from that wound heal because that wound is healed. Very true. And we've, we've experienced that as well. And it's, it's truly, it's truly miraculous. Miraculous is, is what I'd like to say. I mean, it, it is. It's profound, isn't it? It is. It so, really Robin, can I go back and ask you what you did at that healing retreat? Because it, it obviously it changes your perspective on life, doesn't it? Yeah. Well, it's um, actually, you know, it, it, these are things that need to be, I need to work in more now in my life because, um, you know, when you're in that kind of uh, center, it's it's nice, but it's a bubble, right? It's so integrating those tools is tough. But to answer your question, um, we would, it was mostly routine, I think, that that saved everything. But um, every morning, every, you know, it would start with the physical body, exercise, um, go, to, go to the gym. And then uh, at around 9 a.m., after we ate breakfast, there, there was a men's group. So we would always check in. We would do a physical, emotional, mental, and spiritual check-in. And we each of us would go around in a circle, and we'd say, how, okay, how are you feeling physically? How are you? Da, da, da. Right, and all the men would be in that room, and there was a lot of power. Uh, there was a palpable energy that I'd never felt before in my entire life until I was in that room of men who were broken down, a lot of who, who were who were wealthy, uh, very powerful, very intelligent, but they were like little children, right? But there was a huge power in that vulnerability because um, we were all coming together for a purpose, and. Uh, so I think that transformed me, and that was the biggest in, indelible mark that was left on on me uh, psychologically in that experience. But apart from that, the rest of those thirty days, I mean, we had everything from the acupuncture to uh, yoga to art therapy, which is I really loved art therapy. That was fun. Um, you know, we'd go to a different. Um, you could go to a, a Buddhist temple if you wanted to, or a church on Sunday. So we ran the gamut there. Um, but mostly, I think it was just the routine. You know, like every morning, do the workout, then the check-in, then we'd have our break, right? And then it, it was there was no technology there. It was just you know, at, at night it was like okay, maybe you read a book. But by that time, I was exhausted mentally and everything. So yeah, and then you repeated. So it was a. Uh, and we're outside um, uh, a lot, right? And the, uh, where we're sleeping were these casitas or these adobe huts. So also very low technology, very close to the earth, which I also think can't be overlooked. Uh, so yeah, that was kind of what we did. Yeah, and I think as well, being in a group, 
it highlights the fact that you're not alone. Because when you're feeling those wounds and the, the effects they're having on your body and your mind, you feel like you're that only one. So mm -hmm. to know that there are other people feeling the same from all walks of life, throughout all ages, it doesn't, it doesn't specify one type of person. It, it affects everybody. You know, money doesn't, money doesn't fill abandonment wounds. They mm -hmm. need to be dealt with. So rich and poor alike, male and female, everybody can have them. But I, th I think it's great that there was men together acknowledging that there was a problem. That takes a real strength of character to say, I need help. Mm. That's a great point that you put, because it takes strength of character. At, at your weakest moment, you need the strongest character, right? You, you, your character is strongest at, at, at your weakest moment, which is kind of a cool thing to think about. Very true. Yeah. yeah, because when you're at the bottom, there is nowhere else to go apart from up. So, you know, it doesn't take a lot to step out of that bottom because you, you're at the lowest point you could possibly be. It takes energy to stay there. But to release that and step out of it can be quite freeing, can't it? Yeah. yeah, you're inspiring me, Sarah. Where do I sign up? <laughs> yeah. Oh, lovely. Thank you for sharing that, Roman. Um, let you. me introduce your beautiful wife, Bodana, now from her uh, bio. So, Bodana Diduch was 36 when she burned herself out due to years of neglecting herself physically, mentally and emotionally due to perfectionism, people-pleasing and anxiety and depression. All through, all through her state of burnout, she felt overwhelmed, defeated and lost. There was still a spark of something within her that refused to be extinguished. Embarking on an adventure to uncover the indelible treasures of holistic wellness she focused on sleep, nutrition, movement, and she dug deep into her mindset, changing her life forever. She realized that we always have a choice in the direction of our life's path. No matter how stuck we may feel, we may feel now, we have the power to change our life. So, Badana, it's a pleasure to see you too with Roman. Thank, Thank you for joining me. Oh, it's our pleasure. It truly is. Thank you. Thank you. It's always great to see you. And likewise, it's been a while. Yes. <laughs> so, Badana, would you like to share with our listeners uh, your story too? Absolutely, I would. And, and this is a story that at one point in my life, I would have been very ashamed uh, to, to share with others. It was something that I wanted to keep hidden uh, away, which I think many people who have struggled with any kind of challenge, especially with mental health, uh, it's something that, well, throughout history has kept, been kept down. It's, there's been stigma associated with it. Um, and I myself experienced that too. But the beautiful thing is, like Roman said, with this journey, it really is when you can look back, the beauty of it is that this was, my experience was the greatest gift of my life thus far. Other than, of course, you know, marrying Roman. <laughs> That's right. Yeah. Sick and yes, indeed, indeed. And uh, because that, that was a pinnacle where I could have uh, remained as I was on, on the track that I was uh, or 
end up where I am today. So um, it, it was, you know, it's one of these things that I think many people may be able to identify with, and especially us as women, where we have a lot of pressures put on us in our lives. Uh, not that men don't, but, you know, we, we have different pressures. And I believe that I grew up taking those very much to heart. Um, again, hindsight is twenty twenty, and it's mm -hmm. a gift, and, and that's how we can learn and grow. Um, but at the moment, you have no idea that that's going on, right? So, so in my hindsight, I can explain that uh, and, and understand that this is how things kind of develop for me, and that you know, I had a wonderful childhood, you know, very loving parents. Uh, but I can see now and understand now that where, uh, for example, there was conflict or, you know, my father, when, he, you know, he, he couldn't deal with his emotions, it would be, you know, kind of an explosive anger, you know. And now as an adult, I can understand where that's coming from, where he hasn't been able to deal with his emotions. But as a child, you know, that's where we learn our coping mechanisms, the whole fight, flight, freeze, or fawn. And I understand that I took on that fawning, and which essentially means, you know, um, not wanting to rock the boat, being the good girl. Um, and it wasn't that, you know, necessarily when my father would be angry at me, it'd be just in general, you know. Um, and again, I think I know myself, I could identify with that because my anger developed that way too at some point. But um, so I think that's where it kind of all started and that parent pleasing um, morphed into people pleasing. Uh, particularly, I can reflect now when it came to male authority figures, whether it was you know, teachers or, or bosses or, or whatnot. So that there's that connection, and of course, with that, paired my perfectionism. You know, how do you not become a perfectionist if you're trying to always be the good girl, right? And um, eventually, like I said, these things snowball, creep up on on us, and uh, into my late teens. By that time, I was already, I think it was about nineteen. Um, you know, the anxiety was starting to really build that kind of high functioning anxiety that a lot of us can can take on, have no idea that we're anxious. Um, and the depression, you know, all of a sudden, um, I was, I, I remember constantly this sigh, this deep sigh that was kind of, you know, it's like I starting not to be able to, to handle things, the overwhelm was coming. Um, but kept pushing through. And like I said, too, those pressures on us. Um, and of course I wanted things for myself. It's not necessarily, you know, my parents didn't say you need to be a straight A student. You know, that was never the, <laughs> I wanted it. You know, um, I fast tracked through my university, my undergraduate did four years and three, you know, um, I wouldn't recommend it to anybody. <laughs> But that was all part of that persona and, and that unfortunate unraveling eventually. And um, so at that point is where 
I went to see my doctor and she said, well, uh, you know, your mom has some anxiety, panic attacks, your grandma too. So it's probably hereditary and, you know, depression is going to be the next big thing. It's a chemical imbalance. Here's some Paxil and away you go. And, and that's where, where things kind of went for me in my 20s and into my 30s. The root cause was never, ever addressed. It was just the Band-Aid. And it goes to show that after a while, that Band-Aid just wears off. It falls off. And I found myself in a worse place than I originally started off. So, um, you know, fast forwarding through, this is where a lot of, you know, rumination came out um, over failures, over mistakes. I mean, I was constantly beating myself up, um, but of course, completely unaware of it. Mm. That was that, that uh, constant negative chatter going on in my, in my mind. And um, so I had ups and downs with my depression. Um, uh, over the years from when I was 19 to uh, when Roman and I were together and I had uh, been out in Ukraine uh, for a year working. It was, it was quite good, even though fairly stressful, but came back and we met. And, you know, I even said to him, I said, where did you come from? <laughs> because I hadn't met a guy like Roman before. And his, his answer was New Jersey, you know, uh, and everything went from there. But it was the best time in my life, mm -hmm. Roman's life, I hope too. But after we got married on our honeymoon is where I totally, completely crashed. This was now my rock bottom burnout. And I just, I, I just couldn't function. I literally shut down um, because I had for so many years just ignored all the red flags that were being, you know, flown and which again, many of us do. And, and if we don't have the awareness in the first place, we, we have no insights into that into mindfulness, then it'll creep up on us. And if we don't listen, then it really, you know, takes us out at the knees eventually. And, and that's what happened with me where it was um, essentially because we, we hadn't had our own place yet. We came back Um from the honeymoon early and there was days I I just wake up sit on the couch just numb myself out on tv because at least then I wasn't listening to that chatter um and as a result too which often happens with anxiety um my insomnia just skyrocketed through the roof I couldn't get to sleep because of the the, the thoughts and you know creates that vicious circle so there was no regeneration happening because I couldn't sleep and um, just things progressed um, to get worse and worse, unfortunately. Uh, but like I said, this was that moment where, um, and, and I, I should just step back a moment, like this. throughout the years, there had been times where I tried coming off the axle and I had come off before our, our uh, wedding. And um, now, of course, understanding that <laughs> the, the chemical imbalance that existed, the only one that existed was a result of those years of, of 
Paxil use and, and all of that. Um, and I understand now how detrimental it can be to our mental health to be on these medications. On top of that, having a doctor who said, well, if you feel worse, just take more. You know, that's, that's how much, you know, I was monitored in all of this. So coming off of that, um, you know, it, it, it really does, um, that is the true chemical imbalance that's created in us and so hard to come back from. So it was this perfect storm that, that eventually happened. You know, um, Rowan was moving to Canada, planning the wedding, uh, renovating my grandmother's home who had just passed um, earlier that year. You know, so there was all kinds of things. And then all that baggage and, and my abandonment had come when, you know, throughout the years with the people pleasing, I abandoned myself, what I truly wanted for the sake of what, what others wanted, needed, uh, thought I should be, you know. And um, so, yes, it was, I was a bit of a, a messy puddle at that point. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But this was, um, again, that turning point where as bad as it was, and I was, again, medicated, uh, I was on lithium. Uh, reluctantly, I went on because at, at that point I had tried, but nothing. I just couldn't get myself out of that dark pit. Um, so, so you know, I agreed and had um, sleeping pills and and another thing. Take this to have anxiety. That and there came a point, you know, you just feel like a zombie. And I said, this is not how I want to live. This is it. This is done. And Roman, because he had been on his journey already sooner, um, you know, he had been trying. He'd been trying to reach out to me and say, try this, get out for exercise, this, that, the other. And it was just too much for me. You know, I was, I was so incredibly frustrated and irritated. And yet at the same time, so low that I just didn't even want to move my body. And you know, unfortunately, it was with good intentions, but it was so frustrating for him too. But you know, as we said, right, we have to be ready to make that change. You know, and gratefully, I'm so grateful that, and that's why I talked about that spark that was still in me, that still had that fight in me, because I could have very easily said, "Well, that's it. This is the way my life's going to be. I'm just going to feel like this. This is, I guess, normal." Um, and I'm so, so grateful that I didn't give in to that belief, didn't give in to that, you know, what my doctors had said, well, you know, it's going to be like this. I had one psychiatrist tell me, well, it's probably a, a cycle every seven years for you, you know, <laughs> oh, okay, that, all right. Um, so it shows the, the power of listening to yourself yes. and, and what you you know what you need. You truly do. And and that's where it, it kind of blossomed from there. At that point where I said, that's it. Like, I don't want to live like this for myself, for my husband, my family, and I need to make changes. And that's where, again, our, our journey together now started on a completely different track because we were going into, most of it, uncharted territory for ourselves. We you know, stepped away from the Western um, uh, model of medicine and turned truly to holistic 
way of looking at healing. Yeah. And um, yeah, no, I just wanted to say with um, uh, when you were struggling and get out, and it was frustrating for me. I, I do remember, you know, I got a lot of flack and, you know, from all angles, from doctors, in-laws, you, everything, right? And it was like, as a man, we want to, like, a lot of times we want to fix things, right? And I was just like, oh, just do this. Can't you just, you know, go do it, you know, blah, 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 right? And I was getting feedback, but I wasn't listening, so I was getting more frustrated. So it taught me that the best medicine I could give was to learn how to let go, right? Just like a plant. You plant the seed, then you let go, and then you kind of walk away. But that's the hardest part. And that's why they pay that pay you the big bucks, like they say, right? Because that's the hardest thing to do is to walk away and watch that train wreck like happen pretty much, right? And then you're like, okay, maybe somebody will survive. Maybe they won't, but there's nothing I can do. I got to just kind of like take cover and then pick up the pieces, right? That That's really the hardest part for it's, me. Absolutely. And I can relate to that as well because when I was in the, that big dark abyss, as I called it in my book, um, right at that rock bottom, I knew people were reaching out to me, but it just didn't, I couldn't take it on board. You know, yeah. it was... I could hear everybody talking and, and I could hear what they were saying, trying to help me, but it just, it just didn't like, it's like it bounced off me. It just didn't sit on me uh, and stay. Um, but it, but like you say, when you're ready, that healing starts and those seeds start to plant and grow. And you think actually that I'll just go outside and you know see what it's like. <laughs> Mm. Yeah, but you did. You dragged yourself for walks. It was winter time. Maybe you would go, and I remember what you were walking like. It was slow. So slow, but it was. But you know what? But it was good because it was just getting those gears moving. So anybody listening to this podcast, just don't give up because those little steps you take, it's like that turtle, right? That's why turtles live for two hundred years because they <laughs> take it easy, right? So that's the whole thing. Very true. That that that's exactly true. And Sarah, I can connect with you. That's how I pictured my rock bottom is that I was at the bottom of this dark pit and, and all of my loved ones are up at the top. That's where the light is. And they're reaching down, reaching down, but I don't want to take their hands. It's, you know, it's like, I, I just can't do it. You know, we have to crawl out ourselves. And then at the end, sure, that last pull up, because we're ready for it then. Yes. But, Beyond that, and that's where, sadly, some people do choose to stay in that pit. They do, yeah. But once you've hit that rock bottom, it does take energy to stay there. Um, mm. and, and I don't know about you, but while I was there, I was the victim. I made myself the victim, and I, and I, I wouldn't say reveled in it because it, that, it, it was an awful, awful feeling. But I was definitely that victim at the bottom of that dark abyss. But I, there was no light in mind. I didn't see anybody at the top. It was so, so dark. Um, and it was just awful. But until I started seeing that actually some of it's the way I'm looking at the problem that's happening and I am both the cause and the solution to my problems, um, you know, and step outside that victim mode. I think you have to feel, you have to sit in that victim mode and feel that and acknowledge it 
that you know you feel hard done to and then then you can start looking at it through different perspectives but you can't I think you really have to acknowledge that you can't just flip a negative into a positive you have to acknowledge what you're feeling and then look at how what can I do now how, how can I step forwards and even if it's the tiniest babyest step and I, I read a quote somewhere that really resonated with me but I can't remember the author even a stumble is a forwards movement. Oh, so even if you're not ready to take that first step, if you stumble, you're still moving forwards. It's tiny, tiny baby steps. And that's all you have to do is just keep doing those tiny, tiny baby steps. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yeah, and just to interject on your quote, you know, it's um, so many of us, forget that life is that constant movement, right? That there is no many gurus tell you find stillness, right? Or find equi- you know, equilibrium. Well, really the only place equilibrium exists is in death, right? Because there's nothing happening. That's it. Stagnation. But there's always some thoughts going through your mind. It's just learning to step back and watch that all happen like that train wreck, right? But watch that beautiful um, transformation happen and learn to let go of it and 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 be enthralled in that constant movement and stumbling because we're always stumbling no matter what right nothing will ever be perfect yeah and that whole letting go as well is it can be so difficult especially i too was a people pleaser um and and had that same abandonment wound and to be able to let go of trying to please people and, and remind yourself you no longer have to please people it's okay to put yourself forward I mean that is like that's like shock therapy oh so true so very true Sarah and I wanted to also say to your point about um you know the victimhood and I, I think I never looked at myself as as a victim but then I always bring up this point because it was it so stands out in my memory and a, and a pivotal point where, and this is a learned behavior um, from my from my beloved father who you know again wonderful man but his his default is said to unfortunately often the worry um, you know fears glass half empty and so when something would happen to me my response would be well, of course. And we were at my parents, um, it was just Roman and I, and something fell out of my hands, maybe something. And he says, do you realize how often you say, of course, you know, because the implication is that, of course, it's happening to me. The universe is out to get me, you know, and it just struck me. I thought, my God, I do say that. And what, you know, the implications of those, you know, two words. Uh, were very very heavy and and since then I honestly I mean this is several years ago I maybe they've escaped my mouth a few times because it was so profound and that was a moment where I realized I'm like that's that's acting like a victim that is living in that suffering state you know and I I love that um, notion of that when we understand that life happens for us to learn from, not to us, as if it's out to get us, then boy, that's a huge mindset shift. Mm. And that was for me, mm. big time. Mm. And it changes your life as well, doesn't it? Mm. Because was it Wayne Dyer said, when you change the way you look at things, the way you look at things change. 
Yes. yes. And, and your whole perspective on the world changes instantly from, you know, what, and I started looking at it, well, instead of seeing this as a, a, a catastrophe and being the victim, what's the lesson or what's the blessing? Or are they, are they both within this situation? And the lesson was for me, I needed to change my life. I needed to step out of being that nurse that I'd wanted to be my whole life and saw myself retiring from that, you know, at whatever age we were allowed to retire, to be doing something different, to helping people in a different way. And I never, ever thought I would make that change because I saw myself as a, my working life would be as a nurse and that's all I would ever be. But along came this deep, dark depression, and, and I saw that as my lesson. And now when I look back at it, I see it as my blessing mm. because now I'm able to help people in a much happier and healthier way to help them to help themselves. Because in the medical model, we, we put that plaster on for them. We're yes. doing that for them. Whereas coaching, they're doing it for themselves. We're just guiding them. Yeah. So there is always a lesson, a blessing of both in every situation. If Absolutely. only we can see it. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. And that's and that's the thing too, though. You know, having awareness is such a great gift because what once you learn it, when it's once it you're able to uh, embody it because it doesn't come naturally to many of us, right? Then, like you said, that perspective on life shifts so tremendously that you have more compassion for yourself for others what they're going through to understand it's it's ah uh, it's really it's life-altering it it's really life -altering. yeah and your whole world changes because of it yeah very true very mm. true so Bardana, could you just elaborate a little bit further on what it was that you did to get yourself <clears throat> and to uh, change your life around and, and feel better and heal that depression and anxiety yes yes absolutely so so this was about I think it was about six years ago maybe getting on close to seven when mm -hmm. I hit this rock bottom mm -hmm. and right 20, yeah seven yeah yeah seven years <laughs> it's hard to believe it's yeah. gone by quickly but um as I said I I was um at that rock bottom, put on more meds, going through and, and making that change. And uh, it started by going to see a naturopath and started with uh, really changing up our nutrition. And not that we ate poorly, uh, we weren't really junk food, processed food addicts. You know, we ate well, but we realized we really needed to bring it up to the next level. So uh, especially uh, adopting an anti-inflammatory diet, so no sugars, processed foods, um, and, and certain, you know, things like corn, dairy, to really bring down that inflammation. Because, um, of course, you know, we came to understand how much there's a, a connection between our, our gut and our mind, right? Um, huge connection, we understand now, and that a lot of mental health um, challenges actually stem from you know, uh, an imbalance in our microbiome. And that's, whew, that was, you know, mind blowing. And, and that alone too, because yeah, I was suffering. One of the things was leaky gut. You know, I, I would look five months pregnant sometimes because of the bloating. It was terrible. So, so that was one step. Um, 
Did you want to add? Yeah, I, was just gonna, I thought you looked at the sleep, the CDTI first, right? The chronic behavioral therapy for insomnia. Is mm -hmm. that you really got into that? The journaling mm -hmm. and the self reflection, right? It all starts with mm -hmm. that self reflection. So you were seeing how your sleeping patterns were, because that's what you really you were suffering from the most. And I, I could be wrong, I but, but I it think, kind of it, well. But I think your sleep hard, was yeah, yeah the, the main the, kind of driver because you're right. suffering from that lack of sleep. Mm -hmm. And then I was like, okay, let me see how else I can do this. And then of course, right. then it's like, well, oh yeah, food affects my sleep too. And then, mm -hmm. so. well, the timelines, yeah, a lot of it. Um, you know, when we talk about taking baby steps and we were in a way, but also we were taking major steps because, which can also happen, right? When you're at that rock bottom, it's like, sometimes you do have to make those big changes. So I think there, there were a lot of changes happening simultaneously, but yes, mm -hmm. you know, uh, I remember my doctor saying that we need to get you to sleep, but of course, you know, we know that the sleeping pills, we're only going to, help you fall asleep they don't give you good deep regenerative sleep and again the root cause wasn't being addressed so but yes i did do some great um coursework uh cognitive behavioral therapy for insomnia it really helped me to understand it um and part of that was journaling um it's a fabulous book by um oh gosh uh do i have it uh Judith Davidson, I believe, uh, Sink into Sleep uh, is what I use. And what you do essentially is you, you follow your um, sleeping patterns. There it is. Oh, lovely. There. Oh, and I see my, my memory recalled it correctly. <laughs> um, and so you journal every night how your sleeping patterns, uh, hours awake, whatnot. And, and it creates this great formula of how to essentially reset your sleeping patterns. And, and the thing is that my sleeping habits were, I remember quite poor since I, since childhood because of that overactive mind. You know, I'd lay there at night thinking, spelling words. That's what I would do. I remember that, you know, um, and, and then morphed into the worries, everything. That's when I would lie there sometimes for a couple of hours. And, and then of course that, then shifted to me trying to catch up on sleep in the mornings. And well, when you're suffering from this since childhood, by the time you get to your thirties, your body and brain said, uh, I've had enough, right? And it starts to crash. So, so yes, that was a very, very important element. I, I cannot, um, you know, underline it more how much sleep and, and you know, Sarah, I mean, it, it's, it's one of the most important things uh, in our regeneration. You know, dumps all the all the garbage every every night, and when we can't do that, then it builds up. So, so I did that, and amazingly, you know, went from this self-proclaimed night owl, not a morning person, to you know, our alarm is set every morning for five fifteen. We don't always pop yeah. out of bed, but you know, we're we're up early yeah. in the morning. Yeah, that's the Good time, you know, it's the or when the magic happens. Yeah, right? yeah, uh, especially the sunrise, right? That was that was part of it, right? Incorporating that. Um, so, and now in in the evening, I have my solid bedtime routine. 
I cherish my sleep. We both do. You know, we used to sit up late watching TV, eating, you know, ice cream, chocolate. We look back, oh my goodness. You know? yeah. <laughs> now, no. And it's, and it's so empowering that I can lay down, feel tired. I have, you know, I, the last thing I do is read my book because it's that signal to my brain. Okay, it's ready for sleep. And within minutes, I'm out, you know. So, so it can happen. You can, yeah. can change ourselves. So, so yeah, so, so it was the sleep, the nutrition, and then like Roman said, the movement. I mean, uh, I grew up being in sports, uh, doing Ukrainian dancing, which is, can be a sport in itself too, <laughs> how much <laughs> movement there is. And then, you know, unfortunately, I think like many of us get caught in, you go to university and then you start working and, and that falls away. And it did to a point for myself, I did try to keep working out, but I also wasn't doing it at the right time of day, I realized. Again, something else that was learned. You know, I was doing it after work. Well, for somebody like me with my mind that's constantly going, it just revs up my mind even more, you know? So now we've switched to morning workouts and that sets me for the day. And so those are those three pillars. And then, like I said, the mindset which we touched on, you know, that was something I had never, ever considered uh, before until I really had to dig deep into it and reflect and go, wow. And that, that was the most empowering because, you know, mindset, we need, our mindset really influences every single thing we do in our lives. Everything. Yeah. So, so yeah, so that was, I'd say in a nutshell, you know, our, excuse me, transition. And and on top of that too, which is a big element for us that connects with Roman's work with uh, electromagnetic is pushing ourselves outside um, to live more like our ancestors did. You know, uh, we have so much of an indoor culture now under the blue lights, exposed uh, to our devices all the time. So we get out see that sunrise get grounded as often as we can get out into nature um get out in the morning too because yeah. that's when you're you know there's more infrared around and that's what helps you build antioxidant stores by you know absorbing uv more uv light uh which isn't all that bad but um you know all in moderation so yeah there's a lot of things we do fabulous well thank you so much and could I ask you, I know you've shared quite a lot of your own healing journeys and tips. And what could you, what would you recommend to somebody who wants to start their own healing journey? What's one thing they could do today or first thing tomorrow that would help them that's helped you? Ladies first. Ladies first, okay. First thing that pops to mind, again, from my experience, is to truly you know ask yourself and be honest with yourself what do you want out of life because i believe those answers are always within us and we have just learned to ignore and push away and and it's it was that really you know it's not the the fitness it's not the organic uh, apple that i'm eating it's you know it's that having that answer of what you want out of life. I don't want to people please anymore. I want to do what I want to do. 
you know, and if, if I had continued the other way, I mean, I, I can't even say where I would be right now, what state I would be physically, mentally, spiritually. You know, it's so important to connect with our true self and, and, and again, to understand that we are the only ones that have power over us. You know, and that's why our, our motto is, you know, you're more powerful than you know, because it's truly, truly the case. We really forget how powerful we are. So we do, and, and all the answers are inside of us. They truly are. They truly and, and are. I was just, sorry. No, sorry, I just said we just have to tap back into, into our inner self, our inner wisdom, our higher self, whatever name people want to use, but we need to reconnect with that. Yes. Yeah, 100%. And Roman, what would you like to um, share? Just to add on top of what, what Anna was saying, ask yourself that question, right? What do you want? Um, but I would say the biggest thing that helped me was getting out into a different environment, right? Um, going out into nature or going to a different town for the day, right? Walking around. If you can't do that, artists, you know, people, they will, you know, one of the things they like to do is they say, look at each thing or each day as uh, or each place you're in for that day even if it's, a, if it's the same room or same house uh, look at it as if you're looking at it for the first time right what would that feel like to you right if you were looking at even say your husband or your family or your backyard right like it was some place that you just discovered right and putting yourself in a different mental environment puts your emotions in a different state and then eventually puts your physical being in a different state, allowing you to ask those questions. Like, what do I want? And maybe you won't even know, but that's, that's where all the self-discovery starts. So I would say, you know, focus on the environment. Yeah. And when you do that, it brings you into that now, that present moment, doesn't it? Because you, you look at it and you look at the details that you might otherwise have missed. Mm -hmm. uh, whether you're looking at the room or your partner or your family member or the or the city it's about being totally present bringing all your senses into that moment and really absorbing all that information through all your senses in that moment and mm -hmm. you're right it, is, it does change your emotions it, it, and it's uplifting mm -hmm. it certainly is it certainly yeah. is and, and you know to that point we recently um really gotten into the work of Dr. Bruce Lipton, who wrote The Biology of Belief. And uh, you're familiar with him? Absolutely. Oh, love the man. He's so, I love watching him. He's so animated when he speaks, but you know, that, that he, that's what he, he's all about, right? With the epigenetics, how our environment influences us. And it, it, not environment, you know, in the respect of the trees around you, it's everything, your thoughts. Yeah. You know, what you're surrounded with and and that's and and to the point that he says that you know less than one percent of disease actually stems from genetics Absolutely. so you know with that alone again understanding how powerful we truly are because we can change that environment um, if, we, if we put our minds to it and and uh, one more thing i wanted to say too that has always stuck with me along the same lines because I believe they're they're part of that uh, a trio. It's uh, Dr. Bruce Lipton, 
Dr. Joe Dispenza and who's the third one there? Louise Hay. Yeah. Hay, of course, who, um, who way back did all her research as well. Right. So, yeah. you know, getting into all of that, and there was, um, Dr. Joe had said, I think in his book, um, Breaking the Habit of Being Yourself, that really stuck with me too, that and in reflecting on our journeys and what other journeys people, other people go through is that we can come to points in our life where we have those decisions that we can make one way, go one way or the other. But when we decide to stay at that point, our soul never evolves beyond that point. And I thought, wow, that is, that's true. I, you know, I could have very much stayed at that five-year-old self and and so many of us do you know we are adults with those children inside who have the abandonment issues the the, the trauma you know whatever it may be and so if we never as you mentioned at the beginning of all this if we we don't look at the root cause if we don't deal with it we can't heal from that and, and evolve so it's very profound for me Wow. Oh, me too. And thank you so much for joining me. Now, can you tell the listeners where they can find you and who you are combined? Yeah, so you can find us on the World Wide Web at thepowercouple.ca, uh, um, or you can also find us on Substack at thepowercouple, and, or on Instagram at thepowercouplepodcast. Because we have a podcast, the Power Couple. Sorry, how can people find your podcast? Is it just on Instagram? Yeah, you can find it on. Uh, oh, sorry, also on Spotify. Yep. Brilliant. Spotify, iTunes, or Substack. Or, or, or Substack. We have extended versions with private episodes on there as well, and it's called the Power Couple because we help power you up with the sunrise, power down addictive technology, and power through. Uh, the day with relationships that all start with you. How fabulous. Thank you so much for joining me and everybody that's listening. Thank you so much, Sarah, for having Thank us. You. Thank you, everybody, and Sarah. If you enjoyed this, please like and comment on the episode, subscribe to my channel, and share this with anyone you think would also enjoy it and would benefit from it. Thank you.